Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, my beautiful Dog Speak geeks. I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. I'm excited because you'll be listening to this on the first day of spring in the United States and my birthday month. So uh, I'm really excited about this month. March has always been one of my favorites. You got St. Patty's Day, uh, which we just celebrated. And then you've got Reba's birthday, my birthday, and then Britt's birthday is just a week after that. So March is a really fun month for us. I want to apologize that I am the only one on today. Uh, You just get me. Uh, We've just had some some difficulty getting our schedules worked out, but I promise you we are going to get our shit together. And you won't have to listen to just me uh, on these future podcast episodes because I know you guys love when Britt is on here. And I I know that you love when Amanda and Alicia and Gray are also on. So we are going to get this figured out, I promise you. And we'll get everybody back. So just hang in there with me. Uh, you just have to deal with me today. Um, but I do appreciate you dealing with me today. Uh, today I'm going to talk about uh, pattern games. And uh, we're going to talk about the way you use pattern games, what they are, and um, how you can really start to use these in your everyday with your dog. So I think today will be a really good episode. Again, I'm really sorry that there's nobody on here with me. But uh, I promise... I'm going to get everybody back. We're going to get everybody back on track. So just hang in there with us. Uh, In the meantime, I do want to mention real quick, if you've not uh, signed up for our Dog Speak Geek membership, uh, it's our Dog Speak Geek community, uh, you need to go ahead and sign up. We have our private Facebook page. You get a free t-shirt. You get a free treat bag. uh, You get a Zoom meeting with a trainer every month. So you're going to want to jump in on this one. Uh, I think we're going to have a really good time with this. We just launched it back in February. And um, I know that you guys will really enjoy um, all the benefits that it brings. Uh, So just check that out on the website. And if you've not signed up for the free Dog Owner Summit, uh, do that today, dogownersummit.com. You can get a free ticket. There are so many really, really good 
um, interviews on there. I think mine's going to come out on Wednesday, but there are some really, really good interviews on there. Um, you do not want to miss um, out on that, especially having that many experts in one place for free. Make sure you sign up for that. All right, so let's get into the pattern game. So what is a pattern game? So a pattern game, um, it actually comes from the book by Leslie McDevitt, Control Unleashed, Reactive to Relaxed. Pattern games are basically, uh, they're just simple set of exercises uh, that are predictable. So uh, it, it helps for dogs to have more of um, less, well, let's say less anxiety because of the predictability. So they don't have to be sitting around guessing, okay, what's next? What What's about to happen here? Or what is my owner going to do next? You know, as humans, we do tend to be a little unpredictable. We tend to be a little inconsistent. And that can be really challenging for dogs that suffer from anxiety, nervousness, fears, phobias, trauma. Uh, so we want to make sure we set up some predictability for them. And the pattern game is actually a really good, and I say pattern game, there's multiple pattern games. Uh, but this is a really good way to start setting up a little bit of predictability for them. Now, we use pattern games for cooperative care. We use pattern games for reactive dogs. You can use pattern games just to help your dog get a little more focus in the um, in public or in distracting areas. So there are a lot of really good ways to use pattern games. And we're going to talk about the different ones that you can use. And this will be really helpful um, for whatever you might be trying to do with your dog. So with a pattern game... Uh, you want to make sure that you practice these things before you use it in the environment you want to use it in. I mean, that's just like everything else. We have to practice before we use it. You can't wait for the moment to try to practice it, right? You have heard me say that before. Uh, what happens in the moment is what you practiced. So you have to practice. Uh, don't practice in the moment. You do have to practice this. So when we start out using pattern games, they're actually really easy to teach because you are going to be using food for this and you're just going to simply start putting in keywords uh, that help dogs know that, that something is coming, that this pattern is happening. Uh, so with a pattern game, um, you, these games can, can basically set the dog up to make good behavioral choices, um, teach them to focus, work comfortably around things that may be a little bit um, you know, scary. Uh, but again, you can use these for simple things like cooperative care. All right. So with our pattern games, the first one I'm going to talk about, because I use this one a lot. Uh, we use it for our reactive dogs. We use it for, for cooperative care. And if you guys have seen us um, on TikTok, you saw the video that I did with Myers with it. Um, and it's the one, two, three pattern game. Um, and this is used now. I use it also as walking, but I use it as cooperative care. Um, but I'm also using it as walking. And, and I think today I want to focus more on these pattern games for when you're out and about with your dog or dealing with some anxiety instead of cooperative care. Um, I'd rather wait until Alicia gets on here and, and we can talk more cooperative care uh, techniques. So we're going to really focus on pattern games for uh, when you're out and about and walking with your dog. So a, a pattern game of one, two, three, uh, you can use while the dog is walking with you. Uh, basically, you count out loud. And on three, you give your dog a treat. I mean, it's really that simple. Uh, when you start out with this, uh, 
again, you can just start it very simply just sitting in your living room, right? Uh, so the one, two, three pattern game is really useful to help a dog stabilize themselves, process the environment around them. Um, and it can help dogs calm a little bit because they know what's about to happen. Uh, so this is really good around triggers, around just excitability, um, or just in a general area that may be new for your dog. So what you're going to do is you're going to start out by just standing or sitting. doesn't matter. Have some, go ahead and have some treats in your hand. I know I am not one to usually recommend that. But um, I think for this purpose, just to help start teaching it, uh, you're fine to have some treats in hand. And what you'll do is just sit there with your dog. You'll count one, two, three. And on three, I want you to put a treat to your dog's mouth. Basically, you're giving your dog a treat right at three. So one, two, three, and that three is that treat. You'll continue doing that several times. One, two, three, and you'll treat. One, two, three, treat. One, two, three, treat. So you'll see it's just a little pattern there. Um, after maybe, I don't know, seven, eight times that, you decide. Some dogs are faster. Some dogs are slower. Um, you can then start moving slowly. Just start moving slowly with your dog. One, two, three, and treat. One, two, three, and treat. And it's okay right now if you need to have your hand in front of your dog's nose so they smell the treat. I'm okay with that. Um, again, I just want to make sure that we are getting away from that fairly quickly. And this is a quick process, right? So this is not something that you're going to be working on for three weeks with a treat in hand. This is something that very simply, by the end of you practicing this exercise, you shouldn't have to have a treat right at your dog's mouth. So one, two, three, and you're treating as you're walking and moving back and forth. All right, so this is something that you can start in the house, and I recommend starting in the house. Get the dog understanding that when they hear that three, that head's popping up. So after you've walked a little bit with hand in front of the face with a treat, remove your hand. Um, you can still have some treats in your hand, but don't place the hand down in front of your dog. Count one, two, three, and treat. Uh, and then slowly just start increasing that distance as you're going. So maybe I go one, two, three, treat. And then we walk maybe five to 10 steps. And then I go one, two, three, and treat. And maybe I walk three steps and then one, two, three, treat. So helping the dog understand that it's not always going to come back to back to back to back. In other words, I'm not going to go one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. There's going to be maybe some pauses but that doesn't change the predictability that when I get to three, you're going to be getting a reward. So this is the one, two, three game. And really the cue of this is the counting. One, two, three. One, two, three. So that cues the dog that the game is on and that three, they're going to be getting a treat. Now, you do not use this to try to get your dog's attention as far as like trying to get them to come when called or um, anything like that. Okay, this is simply setting up some predictability in an unpredictable environment uh, to help the dog feel more relaxed. Do not use it to help your dog come and called or things like that. You should be teaching your dog to come and called separate from that. So uh, that is one of my favorite pattern games. And I've really seen a big difference with uh, dogs when dealing with reactivity or triggers or a little bit of nervousness. So this is a really good one. And it's very easy. It's very easy for people uh, to do. So this is one that, that you're going to want to hold on to. And there are some really good videos out there. I will put them in the show notes, um, some links to some of these videos so that you guys can watch it. Because um, I know that it's hard to 
to really describe it in detail on um, on an episode, but um, I hope that I do enough to, to at least give you an idea of what's going on. All right, let's go with another one. Um, let's go with a scatter. A scatter, um, and of course, these are names that that Leslie McDevitt has. You may come up with whatever you want with these, whatever is comfortable or makes sense to you. Uh, scatter, to me, I think is a really great name for this. So it's basically you're tossing five or six treats onto the ground and a scatter formation. Makes sense, right? So the reason I really like the scatter, um, you can use it so a dog has to use their nose to locate the food. And if you remember, sniffing helps to reduce stress. This is why we really like you guys to use snuffle mats and sniffing games for feeding, because it really helps to decrease that stress. So not only does it get your dog sniffing and helps to reduce some of that stress, but the head has to go down to the ground to sniff. So if you have a dog that's looking ahead and looking at something that may be a potential trigger, by tossing things on the ground, that head has to go down. Therefore, we have an incompatible behavior, which means the dog cannot do the staring or barking if the head is down sniffing. So um, this is one of those things also that helps you to know that if you can get your dog to take that head and put it down to sniff the ground, then the dog is still in a place emotionally, mentally, to where it can learn if the dog is not able to redirect its attention to the ground to eat food, then we know that the dog is beyond the threshold, which means that they can't learn, they can't change any of the behavior, and all they're doing is practicing that behavior we're trying to avoid. So so this is also really good to, to let us know where the dog is um, in that emotional state. So you can um, find whatever word you want to use to help the dog know that this game is about to happen. Some people use find it, some use scatter, some use go hunt. You find what works for you. I'm just going to say scatter as the word uh, because to me, that's, you know, reminds me, this is what we're doing. Scatter, I'm scattering treats on the ground. So what you're going to do is you're just going to stand there. You can be outside to do this. You can just do it in your yard. Um, you can start this in the house. It's not that big of a deal if you want to. All you do is just say scatter. You throw five or six treats on the ground. Make sure it's not in a pile. You want to scatter it, not too far. We don't want the dog pulling you everywhere to try to find the food, uh, but just right in a small little area and let the dog use their nose to find it and eat. Uh, you'll do this several times. Obviously, you'll practice this just like we do every pattern game that we'll talk about. So just like the one, two, three, we're practicing this. Then we're going to take it outside, do it in our yard, then maybe do it in the front yard. And then on a just a very simple walk, or if you're just standing somewhere out of the blue before something is distracting your dog, scatter and then toss five or six on the ground. So the dog learns that this works anytime, anywhere. Again, this is not to be used to get your dog to come to you. So if your dog is 20 yards away and they're not coming, I don't want you saying scatter just to get your dog to come back. Okay. You want to use this when there are a lot of changes in the environment or a lot of happenings in the environment. So uh, if a dog is like taking in too much and it's just too overwhelming and it's overloading their brain, this is a good way to kind of bring the dog down. Um, and also to see if they are in a place to where they can even be responsive to any of the cues that you're asking. So we have the pattern game one, two, three. 
and then we have our pattern game scatter. All right, so those are two that you can use. And again, scatter can be easily used for reactivity because again, you're taking that head down. Different from one, two, three, where the head stays up. So that site of the trigger can still be there on that one, two, three. Whereas in scatter, you're asking for that head to go down. And so it's going to take that, the eye line sight down and away from whatever it is that is triggering the dog. So again, think about some environments that you may want to use these or where maybe your dog would benefit better with this. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to be a little different for every dog, but I really do like the scatter and the one, two, three are probably my two favorites, uh, which is why I covered those first. The other ones that we have, we have called a up down. Uh, this is a pattern done by putting a treat on the ground in front of your dog's paws and then repeating it after the dog makes eye contact. So basically you put a treat on the ground, the dog eats it and then looks back up at you. When they look at you, you put another one on the ground and you repeat this process. Uh, this can also help to stabilize their brain and their emotional state. Um, kind of, again, lets them know that just because the environment's a little crazy, uh, that they can count on you and that um, they can reduce that stress by, again, taking that head down. They may not have to really be sniffing for the food, but taking that head down, which takes the eyes away from the line of sight of all those scary things that may be in the environment. So again, another way just to help redirect the dog, but redirect in something specific where it's always the same, where if we're saying this way or check in, yes, those are the same, but it can, um, it doesn't necessarily mean they're getting a, a reward, a food reward. So it can sometimes kind of miss the mark where these, they know that food is involved um, and that can help them go, oh, you know what? I'm going to pay attention to this because mm, food's involved and I know for a fact I'm getting food for this. All right. So um, again, start this at home in the house. Uh, you do not have to put a command to this. It's totally up to you. If you do, um, you could just do up, down. You can, well, again, come up with whatever you want, right? It's really a personal preference. Uh, just to let the dog know that uh, this is what we're doing. And um, it's actually, you could get away with not putting a command because if your dog sees you lean down and put a treat in front of them, that will be the cue. The movement of your body will be the cue on that. Uh, because you have to be in front of them to, to kind of do it, or at least your body movement has to be in their line of sight for them to see it. So you could get away with using no command for this and just using body cues, or you can put a command. Totally up to you, okay? So when you put the treat on the ground, you don't say anything. Just put the treat on the ground at their paws. They're going to eat it, and then they're going to naturally look at you like, can I have more, please? And the second they look at you, put another one down. You can, good boy or good girl, it's up to you. You don't have to. Uh, just because the timing of putting your treat down is when they look at you will help them to understand exactly what it is that they're doing in order to get that. A great time to use this would be uh, in an environment where you're having to wait. Maybe you're in line at the store. Maybe you're at the vet. Uh, maybe you are in a situation where it's a little scary, maybe something, a bicycle is coming in their direction, this is a really good thing to use um, off to the side, uh, you know, if you don't have like grassy area for scatter, 
So again, you can see these are very similar, but um, just, you know, has a few little uh, modifications to them. So that one is the up and down. And I know that up and down, a lot of people think the dog lays down, stands up, lays down, stands up. This is not a movement for the dog. It's all we're looking for is the head, right? The head goes down to get the treat and then it looks up to the owner. Then it looks down to get the treat. Then it looks up at the owner. That's your up and down. All right. Another one we have is called two cookie. And the two cookie is what it sounds like. There are going to be two cookies involved in this game. Uh, you can use the ground for this, or you can keep uh, the cookies in your hand or the treats in your hand. So it's basically a pattern done by feeding from the hand or the ground in a back and forth motion. So you want the dog going kind of to your left and then to your right, to your left and to your right, to your left and to your right. Um, and this can be a very slow pace. This doesn't have to be a fast pace. Um, it's just, again, helping the dogs know what to do in this moment that is predictable and guaranteeing of a reward for this. You can sit in a chair and do this. You can uh, be standing, again, totally up to you, but we're practicing in the house. Take a treat in your left hand and a treat in your right hand. Um, just sit in front of your dog. All right, you're going to give the dog a treat from one of your hands. So let's go left. You're giving a treat on the left, but you're having the dog come to the treat. All right, so I don't want you taking your left hand and moving it to your dog's mouth. I just want you to have it in your left hand, and then you can open it up. Your dog will see it and will get it. Once the dog eats that, open your right hand up. Dog's going to look over, see that, get a treat. I want you to go ahead and have a treat in your left hand, right hand, and continue that process. So it's a you need to be um, not necessarily really, really fast with it, but go ahead, um, if you can, have treats very close by so you can repeat the process quickly. So if you're feeding from the right hand, go ahead and grab the treat that's next to you in the left hand, and the dog looks back, sees a treat. You're grabbing a treat with your right hand as the dog's eating from the left hand, dog eats from the right hand, and back and forth. Um, again, this is a really good way to get your dog to just be um, kind of emotionally cued into you um, and mentally cued into you uh, to help them, again, know that this is something you can do in this environment. You can put this on command. Again, everything you can put on uh, cue verbally, or you can put it on cue with body language. This one, I think I would probably use a cue just to get the dog to understand that this is the game we're playing so they know they can take treats out of my hand um, so that they're not confusing that with other times. So I might, you know, use a um, two cookies or whatever word. I, I can't think of a word today. Um, whatever word I want to use, I'm going to use it and let the dog come back and we're just going to start this uh, right, left, right, left, right, left, left, right, left, right. Totally up to you whichever one you prefer. As the dog gets better, um, you can start creating a little distance so that you can increase your arms completely out. And then if you really want to create a little more distance just to get the body moving, moving, you can toss the treat. So as the dog comes to the right hand, we're tossing the treat a little bit farther out to the right. As the dog comes to the left hand, we are tossing treats farther out to the left. So it's just making the dog move more. 
which can also help decrease a little stress just through movement. You know, when you feel stressed, sometimes going for a walk is good. Um, but it's usually a walk in a very quiet area and calming area just for that movement. It's not necessarily the environment itself that's calming. It's just that movement without the distractions of things happening in the environment. So that's your two cookie. Um, you can, again, use this anytime that you just need the dog to calm down, get focused, um, those type of things. So uh, another one that we want to talk about real quick, and this is probably the last one because to me, a few of these pattern games are too similar, uh, that I wouldn't necessarily think that they are, um, you know, completely different, like a cookie two-step, uh, and it's basically putting the dog, uh, I mean, putting the treat on the ground while the dog is eating. So it's making the dog move. Uh, so... Same thing as the two cookie, but you're actually moving to put the treat farther away instead of throwing the treat. Again, to me, that seems pretty similar to um, what we're doing with the two cookie. But I will put these videos um, in the show notes, the links, so that you guys can see for it yourself. Because um, sometimes you can see it and go, you know what, no, that makes a little more sense to me. Everybody thinks a little differently and sees things differently. So this one might be more beneficial for you and your dog compared to just the two cookie. The other one or the last one I'm going to talk about is the ping pong. Um, and this is actually used to teach your dog to focus or, you know, focus back on you. And it's about chasing that food side to side. So again, very similar to the two cookie when you're tossing. So you can choose to do two cookie is only in your hand and then do the ping pong where you're tossing it. So uh, you're just sitting in a chair, but instead of sitting there with treats in hand to where your dog is eating from your hand, you basically will sit in a chair and then you'll roll a treat to your right, let the dog eat it. Uh, when the dog eats that, uh, you're going to uh, reward the dog when they look back at you, because they're going to look at it and they're going to be like, ooh, I just got a treat. And they're going to look at you like, ooh, when's the next one coming? When As soon as they look at you, toss it to the left. Toss one to the left. Dog goes and eats that, looks at you, or even starts coming back. You can verbally mark that, toss it to the right, and back and forth. And you just keep doing this. Um, and this is uh, when you're standing, sitting, you can use this anywhere um, whenever you're you know, needing your dog to kind of bring that focus back, but they're not doing a really good job at responding to any of the other cues. And that's a very normal thing that we run into is that dogs, when they get overwhelmed, they can't respond to cues that they've known for years if we've not practiced in that environment or if they're not in the emotional state to um, be able to respond. In other words, really to even be able to hear it. Uh, if a word that we use, let's just, for an example... Let's use sit. I don't know what it is about people with sit. Uh, they love to see their dog sit. Um, it's it's amazing how many times sit is used. And I think it a lot of times it's coming from old school thought processes of you make a dog sit for everything so that they have control. I don't know about you, but I have seen dogs sitting that I can tell mentally they're not calm um, and they're doing their best to sit there physically. I have also done that myself where I may be sitting somewhere and you've probably done this too. You're sitting and you look calm, but your brain is going a hundred miles an hour. 
And so sitting isn't calming in itself. Dogs don't sit naturally. Uh, It's not a natural position for them. They're either standing or laying down typically. You'll see a lot of dogs will sit because it's such a highly rewarded behavior. But people will overuse the sit for everything. And so then they get into an environment. Well, let's go back real quick. Sorry. They're using the sit for everything, but they're not rewarding the sit every time. Therefore, the sit is not predictable of a reward. It can get lost within the brain when other things are flying at the dog. All right. The dog's trying to process all of this. You're asking for a sit that gets rewarded maybe 25% of the time um, or highly rewarded 25% of the time, maybe it's rewarded 50% of the time, but it's only highly rewarded 25% of the time, meaning that there's uh, really yummy dog treats, uh, maybe a bone that they don't, you know, normally get. The um, little bit of reward would be during dinner time, putting a leash on, putting a collar on, putting a harness on, and that's if they like the harness or collar, or if they enjoy the walk, or if they like the leash or see the leash as a positive. They may not see the leash as a positive if you're connecting it to a prong collar, That's not real positive because they know that's one step away from being corrected and feeling pain. So with that, that is not necessarily a big reward for your dog for sitting. So when you ask for a dog to sit in an environment that could be a little scary, they may not respond to it, even though they know it like the back of their hand. But they don't respond to it because it's not rewarding enough to get through in the brain. It's not that they're choosing they're not saying, you know what, that's not rewarding enough. I'm, I'm not going to do that today, mom. Um, their brain really just can't comprehend it. And so instead of using something like sit, you can use a pattern game where their brain goes, whoa, wait a minute. We always get something yummy for that. That gets through. I'm going to go do that. I can function and do that because it's a highly rewarded behavior. And it's rewarded with high value traits and it's not overly used. So you can see how these things, um, by setting up some of these pattern games, uh, you can help the dog feel more comfortable knowing the predictability and help the dog get refocused on you and uh, get that emotional state in a place where the dog can actually function, right, and, and hear you. So that is what we have on pattern games. We are using them more and more and more. We are finding them very helpful, um, especially for our reactivity. Uh, We deal with a lot of reactivity, a lot of clients that have dogs with reactivity, but it is uh, being very useful uh, with just walking around a potential triggers. Now, obviously, you're not going to try this when your dog is over threshold. I think you guys have listened to us long enough to know that if your dog is over threshold, you can do nothing but get out of there. There's there's no trick. There's no, um, you know, kryptonite that's going to make the trigger go away in the dog's mind. Literally, when your dog is over threshold, the world is coming to an end. They might die. You need to get them out of there immediately. Immediately. These are techniques to use under threshold, and in not as scary environments. So if, the, if it's a too scary environment, then you're probably over threshold. So watch your dog's body language for that. And make sure that you're not putting them in a situation 
that is too much for them just to see if this behavior is going to work. Okay. Um, And this also isn't going to necessarily decrease your dog's reactivity to a particular trigger. There, uh, There's other work that you need to put in for that. However, there are, um, there are other techniques that you can use just to get yourself out of those situations, right? So instead of using uh, the uh, ping pong game or one, two, three, uh, you might want to use something like our emergency U-turn or a front command or a behind command. And I think we've talked about these in another episode. If not, we'll, we'll cover them again because reactivity is such a big issue uh, that so many dogs have. So we will talk about them again. Just, um, you know, you can check back on some of the other episodes that we've had. I can't think of many off the top of my head. And this is where Brittany comes in because she usually can remember these things. But uh, just remember, these are not to help your dog get over reactivity, but it does help your dog to um, handle new environments, get refocused on you so that you can continue the process of helping them overcome the reactivity to triggers. All right. I hope all that made sense. I know it's hard um, to sometimes just listen to me on this, and I hope I explained it well enough. Um, it's different talking just to my computer than talking back and forth to Brit, but I hope this made sense for you. And, and I know that the show notes, uh, those links will really help you get through um, teaching those things. All right. I do want to talk about, I've got a listener question that I want to cover. Because um, I I did answer this listener, but I thought, you know what, I think I want to uh, cover this because it was such a good question. And I thought it could be very beneficial for other clients as well. So uh, this comes from, oh, did I leave the name off? Um, because I pulled it out. Uh, but I think they'll know who they are. So First, thank you so much for this podcast. I am so glad that it was one of the first dog training podcast sources I came across. I listened to probably 20 episodes before adopting my dog last summer, and it has shaped my relationship with him. I can't even tell you how much that paragraph means to me, because that is our whole goal, is to help you develop the best relationship with your dog where your welfare and the dog's welfare is taken in consideration and your individuality is taken in consideration and you find that common ground and that middle ground. Um, And you're not only making your dog meet your needs, but you're meeting your dog's needs. All right. So she says, I have two questions. Uh, One might be easier than the other. First, will you be updating the online dog communication seminar soon? I've been holding off on purchasing it in case it gets updated in the next few weeks. Good news, it is updated. We recorded my live one from last month. So you can find that on our website now. You will get the live version. Um, It's got the new videos in it. It's got me uh, doing the live instead of doing it via Zoom. So yes, it is on there. Still 50 bucks. You get three months access to it. Who am I kidding? You're probably just going to get life access to it because who wants to keep up with that? Um, And for me, I really want you guys uh, watching it over and over and over again. And look, if you pay 50 bucks... I want you to share it. Don't just watch it yourself. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. When I say share it, please don't be sharing the link, (laughs) but have them over. Have them over and and watch it together, right? If you could do that for me, don't share the link, 
But get together. If you have a rescue group, get your volunteers together. If you work at a shelter, get your volunteers together. Right? Sit down and have a pizza night and watch it. If you're local, come to the live one. We'll have another one, I think, next month um, or May. So if you're local, come on. And if you have a group, contact us. We'll give you a discount for a group. Or if you want us to come in and do a, a live one for your group, we can do that as well. We can do a whole weekend. We can do a whole day. There are all things we can do, but I really think this is such important information that I do want you to share it. Not the link, but share the actual recording uh, in person. That'd be great. Okay. Second, the last few episodes have really had me thinking about whether I pursued medication too quickly for my dog and whether I should consider a more holistic approach. He's a four-year-old pit bull mix who was found as a stray. Cole is a wonderful dog, great with strangers, kids, and other dogs when off leash. He coexists with cats. He takes 40 milligrams of Prozac daily, which we started shortly after the three-month mark uh, of adoption. So she gave that three months of decompression, which is fantastic. And then she went in for um, some medication for him because he's got anxiety and he's reactive. So 40 milligrams of Prozac daily. He has been nearly impossible to walk on a leash, lunging at other dogs, cats, squirrels, rabbits, etc. He also had separation anxiety attached specifically to me to the point where he'd be inconsolable if I even took the trash out. Prozac and time and training has made a huge difference. He's built a healthy attachment to me, can be left alone uncrated for a few hours, is more easily redirected when we see a small animal, and 75% of the time he doesn't lunge at other dogs while on a leash. He also recovers almost immediately after being triggered and reacting. I'm going to stop right there for just a second so I can really talk about this. I do think that going holistic approach first um, for me is something I like to push. However, because holistic medication does take a little more time, you really do have to have patience. When you have a dog who is to the point where he's inconsolable, when you just take the trash out, I think this is a good time for medication because we need to make sure that the dog is taken care of emotionally before we can try other things. And if I can take that edge off immediately with uh, pharmaceuticals, then I'm going to go ahead and start there. So I think that you going in with Prozac to start with, I think was good. I, I think that that's something that we help the dog get uh, just that edge taken off so that we can start to make changes. Now, obviously, when I'm looking at this, I'm not just looking at medication. I'm still going to be asking, are we doing um, enrichment? Are we teaching him to use that nose? Are we doing a flirt pole to help him with his prey drive? Are we finding ways to meet those genetic needs? Uh, you know, on top of all the training and, and stuff that we're doing. The other thing is how we put in play some things like our pattern games, which is what we've talked about today, something that you can use. Uh, do we have emergency cues that we can use when we're out so that 25% of the time when he is lunging, do we know what that distance looks like? So I'm still concerned about those things uh, to make sure that I am benefiting from what we're getting with the Prozac. Right? The Prozac's not going to fix things. The Prozac's going to put your dog in a place to where they can learn those skills to deal with it. All right. Now, 
Um, and also the fact that he's recovering almost immediately after being triggered, that's beautiful. We want to see that. We don't want to see dogs who get triggered and then the rest of their day is shot, right? That is no resilience whatsoever. We want a dog to be able to recover very quickly and how quickly they can recover will be dependent on that resilience, which is, you know, how, how easily do they process the stress and then get back to baseline. Um, all right, so the next paragraph was, we haven't seen a veterinary behaviorist due to the very long wait time near us. His normal vet prescribed the Prozac. So where do I go from here? What we're doing is working and I'd hate to rock the boat, but maybe alternative approaches would be better. Should I make an appointment with a holistic vet or should I just be glad that I found something that works? So for me, I'm going to keep him on the Prozac as of right now. I'm going to get in with a holistic vet because there are so many other things that a holistic vet will do for you to help balance the system, right? So acupuncture is going to help balance that system to where your Prozac's hitting one area, right? It's hitting that one area of the brain where the rest of the system may need to be centered and balanced out. So there may be gut issues. That's creating the 25% of the time of the lunging. There may be some pain that you're not seeing that also creates some of this lunging um, or a shorter fuse, I should say. So I think a holistic vet's going to look at a hole where the Prozac's hitting that one area. And I think more than likely, I'm not a, I'm not a veterinarian. I, you know, I, I don't have all the education for that. But just from talking and doing the education that I have done, I would imagine that a, a holistic veterinarian would keep you on the Prozac while starting the acupuncture, starting Chinese herbs, and slowly will decrease that Prozac until you're completely off. Um, but I think that they will have other medications, supplements, Chinese herbs, basically, that will help do what the Prozac was doing. But obviously, you can't just... You can't get off Prozac immediately. That's something you have to decrease the dosage and you'll need to talk to your veterinarian um, or talk to your holistic veterinarian about that. Um, but I would imagine that they would try to get you off the Prozac to something that will be just as beneficial. It just may take a little more time. So it's just going to take a little bit more patience. Uh, so that would be, that's my recommendation for that. I think that was such a really good question uh, because I think a lot of people are like, well, it's working. I don't really want to rock the boat. But keep in mind, a holistic veterinarian is going to look at your dog as a whole and not just that one thing. Because like I said, it's sometimes not as simple as, oh, your dog has a chemical imbalance. Oh, your dog has uh, severe anxiety and we need to calm those um, neurons that are firing. There's a lot more that goes into it that your regular veterinarian is not going to look at. And even a lot of veterinarian behaviorists don't look at uh, your veterinarian behaviorist will a lot of times look at it real similar as your vet. They just are more knowledgeable on the usage of pharmaceuticals and how to combine those to get the results that you want with some training techniques, All right? They're going to throw in training techniques as well. Your holistic veterinarian more than likely is not going to give you any uh, training techniques because that's not what they do, but they are educated on the use of Chinese herbs and Chinese medicine to help your dog do better. So I hope that helps more than just one person out there. If you have questions, feel free to send them to me. If I don't email you an answer back, um, I will answer them at some point. 
on the podcast. If you are part of our Dog Speak Geek uh, community, our membership community, uh, you get priority status on your listener questions. So if you send one in, if you send one in on, and it's the number 30 of the 30 that we've had sent in, uh, yours will be first because you're a Dog Speak Geek member. So there are a lot of advantages, guys. Come on. Uh, join our community. We want to see you on there. We want to help you. We want to give you all those resources that we can give you more than just our weekly podcast episode. Um, all right. So that is what we have this week. I know it's just me. I'm sorry. I hope nobody fell asleep on driving. Hope this wasn't too boring for you. Um, I do like it when others are joining me so I can, you know, have that conversation back and forth. But hey, this is the way it worked. And I'd rather put this out today for you guys instead of waiting another week. Um, I'm trying to get away from this every two week and really getting back on track for every week episode. Um, and uh, make sure that you are subscribing wherever you listen. Please rate and review because that helps other people find our podcast. Uh, and we appreciate that. We would like to have more and more uh, listeners so that we can help more and more people. If you're needing some help and you're not local, we do offer Zoom consults. So feel free to reach out to us, info at dogspeak101.com. Uh, we can help you out there. And uh, follow us on Instagram. We're putting out some information on there, TikTok. We have YouTube videos. Go sign up for our YouTube page. And make sure you're just getting um, all the links and, and all the areas that you are following, all the areas where we're putting out information. Because uh, we are trying to give you as much as we possibly can. We appreciate you guys so very much. And and uh, just love getting to talk to you guys whenever you do reach out. Uh, I love hearing from you. I love hearing from you on Instagram, uh, commenting on our post, uh, sending us emails. You know, even if you're not telling us how much you love our podcast, just even sending in questions. I love it because that means that we are doing something right and that you are wanting the information that we have to give you. And that's my goal. I want to teach you guys and help you be the best dog parents, help your dog be the best version of themselves. And I really hope you guys here in the United States, uh, in a Northern Hemisphere, I guess I should say, happy spring. Um, and let's hope that we get spring weather very quickly and we don't get a bunch of bad storms, but we get warmer weather and lots and lots of sun. And uh, yeah, that's what I got. And for the rest of you Aries out there, that's your birthday month. Happy birthday. We Aries are pretty awesome, I have to say. All right, you guys have a great rest of the week.